Hi, I'm Dr. Daniel Golshevsky, paediatrician and father of three. Welcome to my podcast, Dr. Golly and the Experts. Each episode, I'm joined by a parent who has faced an enormous challenge in raising their child and come out the other side as the expert. Pregnant women in Australia are all offered genetic testing at 10 weeks of pregnancy. It's called the NIPT or non-invasive prenatal test. It can be confronting to know that these tests are to find out if your child has any genetic defects. One of these so-called defects leads to the diagnosis of Down syndrome or trisomy 21. Julie Mathers was 12 weeks pregnant with her first son, Woody, when she and her husband were told that he had confirmed Down syndrome. At this point, one of the options given to Julie and her husband, and look, there's no sensitive way to say it, was an abortion, a termination of pregnancy. They decided against this and can confidently say they have never looked back. Julie, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, no, really, really happy to be here. Julie, it's a it's a very dramatic way to start the show. Yes. They're very heavy. But it's it's something that parents who receive this information go through. It's like being hit by a truck. To set the scene, can you first tell me about early stages of pregnancy? Yeah. So when I got pregnant, I was much older. So gosh, how old was I? I would have been about 42. And prior to that, I got married pretty late. And then it was just, I was busy with my career and never really thought about getting pregnant. I'd had a miscarriage when I was about 39, which actually is far more traumatic than what you think it's going to be, but it's quite traumatic. And then we went through two rounds of IVF, which didn't work. And so we'd kind of put getting pregnant to bed a little bit, really. And and we took the view of if it happens, great. If it doesn't, we have great lives and that's fine. You don't know what you don't know, I suppose, at that point. Anyway, it was a surprise. In fact, both of them were surprise pregnancies. (laughs) It's very common, in fact, when people stop doing IVF, all the pressure comes off, all the anxiety drops, and then pregnancy occurs, which goes to show how much stress plays a part. In all of your health, right? All of your health. Yeah, so I was on, um, I went to a a detox retreat in Thailand. Probably not doctor approved, actually. (laughs) (laughs) But I do love my detox retreats. And... And it was at that point, and I'll be quite frank, Tom has a much better view of my cycle than I do. <laughs> I've always been a bit like, ah, whatever, whatever. And he said to me when I got there, he went, you should be on your period by now. And I said, I don't know why he has such a fascination over it, but I think through IVF we just developed that. And, um, and I said, oh, yeah, but I'm on my detox retreat. It always just mucks stuff up. And he went, you've just arrived. <laughs> like, and I went, yeah, 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 sure. Anyway. A few days in, I hadn't come on my period. And so I just went, oh, let me just check this. Because I was fairly regular. So I went off to the local shop, supermarket, and um, and got myself a pregnancy test. Figured out what tie for pregnant was. <laughs> I'm just thinking, how did you? Yeah, okay. And, uh, well, and then came back and I went, and I was literally in my little, in my little hut going, crikey, it's two lines. And that is pregnant in tie. And I went, oh, wow, okay. Okay, so then I went and got like another three kits and they all said the same thing. And I said to Tom, I said, I think I might be pregnant. Like, he was with you in Thailand? No, no he, he was, was by at home. Yourself. Yeah, he was at home, so I was on my own. So then it was a bit like, was, I'm quite practical and I'm quite pragmatic about stuff. So I just said to him, I said, look, we've been down this road before. 
And at the seven-a-week mark, I had a miscarriage. So let's just not think too much about this at the moment because we're not sure where this may land and I'm in my 40s and la, la, la. Anyway, then I got home and we just went, what do we do? I don't, like, what do we actually do? Do we just go to the doctors? I don't know what we do. So that's exactly what we did. We went, we went to the doctors <laughs> and um, she, she just suggested a few obstetricians. We found an obstetrician and off we went. Anyway, that's kind of how it all started. And as it went on, I went, well, I haven't had a miscarriage yet. And well, maybe this is happening. And, and the whole time you're very laid back, very go with the flow. Very Whatever happens, flow. happens. Very go with the flow. Had a super busy business, so didn't really have any other choice because I was so focused on that. And I just went, let's just see. Let's just see. And then it was around the 12-week mark when I think I had like the first little mini scan in the obstetrician's office mm. So and also did the harmony test. And that was, and it was quite strange because in some ways I, I wasn't surprised when the result came back as it was of trisomy 21. Why were you not surprised? I think we'd been through two rounds of IVF where I had lots of eggs that had been harvested, but very few came, went through to being, so, in, and the words they use, it's quite harsh and I don't like using them, but they use the words abnormal and all that sort of stuff. And so a lot of my eggs were, were viewed as being abnormal and, and the little embryos, this is where I'll get my medical terminology wrong, <laughs> the embryos that, that were coming out were just weren't in, in their eyes fit for transfer. So did you start to believe that what you could produce was most often defective? Yes. And therefore the defective, again, I don't like that word. I know, it's horrible. But that word in, in pregnancy, is that why it didn't come as a shock? I think, yeah. I think that's why it didn't come as a shock. I'd sort of been through the path of going, okay, this is a possibility. So it wasn't, I mean, it still was a shock. Well, take us into the room. How did you actually receive the diagnosis? Was it a phone call? Was it a consultation? We were in the room and um, the obstetrician said to us, right, we've got the results back, 95% chance of having trisomy 21. And I think Tom and I were both a bit like, okay. That's how it was given to you? Yes. That's literally how it was given. It was raw. And yeah, but what comes next was, have a think about what you want to do. Um, most people choose to terminate. I can book you in for an abortion next week. Wow. Yeah. That is really clinical. It's super clinical. It's super clinical. And at that point I said, can you tell me? I was, I was maybe, maybe, maybe I look back on it now and go, I wasn't surprised. But at the time it was still quite confronting and shocking. And Tom, how did he feel? Similar. Very same. He was quite, yeah, I think just shocked, almost shocked into, and you want us to make a decision? And we've just received this news. And I can remember saying to him, I said, what's the gender? Because with the harmony test, mm. you can find out the gender. And he goes, oh, I didn't tick that box. <laughs> so I said, right. I said, not that it matters a jot, but... I was kind of going, could we just find out the gender here? I was like, oh. So it was, it was very overwhelming. And at that point, Tom and I just went, right, well, we need to go home and talk about this. And that's when the, that was just the harmony test. That was just the blood test. And then he said, oh, one option is to have the, um, to Am- have. Amnio? Yes, yep. exactly. To so have the testing amnio. some of the fluid the baby floats in. Correct. At the 15 week mark. So you could. He said, you could have that as a test and that will confirm either way. So this is to push the 95% confidence up to 100. Yeah. And at that point we went, okay, 
yes, let's 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 do that. Well, go, go back a step. Yeah. Genetic testing isn't compulsory. No. Why do you have it done in the first place? Oh, I'm quite pragmatic. And I just saw, I just went, it's a blood test. Are you one of those people where if there is information to be found, you want to have it? Exactly. Yeah. I can't, because my view, and I absolutely think this was a really good view now looking back on it, but my view at the time was, well, give us the information and then we can make a decision based on that. So did you ever go the next step years earlier and think to yourself, or weeks earlier and think to yourself, if I got this result, then I would probably choose this or I would probably, I would never terminate or I would absolutely. Did you ever go through that thought process? No, not really. I think it's, oh, you know, years and years ago, maybe before this is even, before I was even pregnant, you kind of think maybe you have ideological thoughts in your head. But in this pregnancy, no, I didn't think about it and only when we got the information and that's when that's when I started to think okay what does this mean and the delivery of the information and the options did that impact your decision making and your clearly impacted the process it impacted the process ultimately it didn't impact the decision thankfully my concern is that it could impact people's decisions Mm. And I think because Tom and I took the time to really think about this and also made sure we were massively aligned. How long did you take to think about it? It was two weeks. Two weeks where we were just, yeah, they're probably the worst two weeks of my life. So tell me about that two-week period. What did you think? Where did your mind go? What research, what supports did you lean on? How did you handle it differently? And how did you both arrive at exactly the same point two weeks later? I think the first thing we did when we got home was... Oh, the worst thing you can do, right? We went on Google. Mm. Like, but that's what you do. Of course. And I had, I kind of knew what Down syndrome was, but I didn't really. And I wanted to understand it. And so, and it was interesting because what I would prefer to happen at that point is for there to be an information pack and to say, just so you know, this is what Trisomy 21 is. And it doesn't need to be war and peace, but just something. Mm. And that pack I received at the 34-week mark. That's helpful. Which is helpful, right? So there's a huge amount to be done, in my opinion, around that. But we went away. I think we were both together and independently just going, what does this mean? What's this mean? We spoke to our immediate family, mums and dads, and a couple of friends. A friend of mine actually went through something not dissimilar years ago, and she decided to terminate and so I reached out to her just to get her viewpoint. Um, different, not tries me 21, something different, but, you know, to get to get her viewpoint. And, yeah, and, and spoke to parents. And, and Tom's dad's a GP, actually. Ah, oh, so there's a fair amount of health literacy yes. on that side. Yes, you know, and some of the things that were said were quite, are quite challenging now for what us. Was, what were you told? Oh, uh, some of the language is kind of, you know, survival of the fittest and all that sort of stuff, which sticks with me but was challenging to take at the time. But I think it was very confronting for everyone. What did he mean by that? He had his doctor hat on, I think. I think he was genuinely thinking about us and the impact it would probably have on our lives or perceived, perceived impact it would have on So he was encouraging you to consider termination because of the challenges that this child would face and therefore you would face. Yes. And I have to say, he 
adores his grandson. So I'm sure that we don't need to beat him up for this. He's probably done that numerous times over. But I think it's a very confronting time for everyone. But my dad gave me the best advice. Which was? Oh, my dad just said, he goes, Julie, why are you even thinking about this? He goes, you know you, you know your values. He goes, you know what the right decision is. And for my dad, he knows how. I'm the kind of person who picks up snails off the, off the, off the, off the edge of the road. It's, we've always been a very kind and caring family and everything has its place in the world. And that's my mentality. And so that's what my dad meant by that. He just was like, you know you and you know your values and what's important to you. And he, as normal with my dad, he doesn't say a lot, but when he does, it's really meaningful. Yeah, yeah it's like it hits. It hits hard. And so, so it's a very challenging couple of weeks as we speak to people as we research and and it was very it was difficult so you got your family almost you know for want of a better term almost like the genetic advice that came through your upbringing is everyone has a place in this world and it's not an option to not continue yeah. with the pregnancy tom's side much more practical that sort of clinical yeah, pathway practical. will support you no matter what but you've got Correct. to be aware of what's you know what the future might hold exactly it took me back to a conversation that i had with my brother who's also a doctor yep. when and also very pragmatic and you know task oriented just what's next what's next what's next when my youngest was diagnosed with craniosynostosis and yep. it was a conversation that he would never have had with my wife but he could very easily have with me yeah and he just said, all right, so she's got cranio, one operation, she'll be right. Yeah. And I just blinked and said, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, medicos can have those conversations with one another because, and I don't know if it's unfortunate, but as a result of the work that we do and the world we yeah. play in, um, it is very much straightforward. It's just, yep. This, yep, it's factual and, and you can, it's not that we are unemotional. Oh my God, I've cried enough on this podcast to know that I'm, not, I'm definitely not <laughs> unemotional, but we have the ability to put it to the side, to go through the facts and then allow the emotion back in. Yeah. Um, it sounds like that's what Tom's dad did, but perhaps you weren't ready for that. Yes, I think so. Yeah. He's, yeah, no, he was, he's completely just going, right. As a as a medic, mm. this is here are your options. Here's the you know da 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 da, and we were just in a state of we don't know which way is up or down at the moment. But now, oh, but now, yeah, and yeah. and ever since your decision to continue oh, with the pregnancy, biggest supporter, Ron's been amazing. He's amazing, They're and like, as a result, they have a special relationship. They have such a special bond. So he he and Woody have a particular bond. And it is very, very special. And whenever, and if, and they always go, where's Papa? Where's Papa? Because <laughs> we call him Papa. And um, every time he comes and visits, like he loves Woody. I mean, I don't want to say he's got a favorite, but I think he does. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he just loves him to bits. And then Tom arrived on your side more? Yeah, he's, I think he, Tom's a really soft and kind and caring human Um an amazing man, and I might get emotional. Can't do that. <laughs> Can do that. Can do that. He's he's just a really good human, and I think we were both thinking independently about this. And 
we actually, like our work was crazy busy at the time and we were doing an expo in Brisbane and we'd had a really long drive up to Brisbane for this expo. And immediately after that expo, we were coming back to have the amnia. And on that drive up, we were just talking and talking and talking. And it was on that drive up where we just went, what are we even thinking about this for? But we needed that process to get us Mm. there. We needed to, yeah, we needed that time. And as soon as we both said kind of to each other independently, we need to do this, we felt like just this massive weight had been lifted. And it was immediately, immediately apparent that was the right decision. And did you shift to then Excitement. enjoy, yeah, enjoying yeah. pregnancy? Yeah. Yeah. And did physically, did you actually feel okay during this period? No, I was oh, horrific. Oh, I had, oh, God. I had uh, morning sickness from the whole way up. And you're, and you're doing four-hour, yeah. five-hour drives. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that was before I discovered Zofran too, so oh. <laughs> it was horrific. It was, yeah, no, so I felt terrible. And, yeah, you're absolutely right. We, we, we suddenly shifted from being this, like, doom and gloom, sort of overwhelming thing that was on us. Literally life and death decisions. Really life yeah. and death to being this is our little boy. And then what was really nice after that was we did the, the show and then we drove back and then uh, I think it was like 10 in the morning we had the um, the scan and it was interesting because through the scan they were talking about all the soft markers of trisomy 21, so his little flat nose and he had some grey matter in his bowel. But there were all these little things and he had some thing down his spine, so all these things and they were talking about them in quite a, not, not a negative way, just quite More a... More blasé? Yeah, just a, I think just a, oh gosh, this is terrible sort of way in terms of, oh. and there's a soft marker here and there's a soft marker here. Because they were almost kind of going, this is, this is confirmation. Mm. And they're probably there assuming that we're in a state of distress with that. Not realizing that you're actually embracing this and happy yeah. and excited. Yeah. And I was crying throughout the entire thing, but it was mostly because I was just seeing my little boy. Yeah. And I was just going, but he's there. Look at him. He's amazing. And I felt... In there, just an enormous sense of just protection at that point. I just went, I am protecting you. Like, you are mine and and everything is sort of, like, my world is now centred around you and, yeah, I will protect you with an inch of my life. I didn't look at him and see Down syndrome. I just looked at him and went, there's our little boy. There's our little boy. So it, it, it shifted quite dramatically. Tell me about life from his arrival, from the birth. Oh. So he was early. So he was born at the 34-week mark. So effectively, he'd stopped growing. Mm-hmm. And to be fair to our obstetrician, he really came into his own on this. This was this was pretty impressive. So he'd stopped growing. We went. This is the same obstetrician yes. who delivered yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. News we were, lacking empathy. So yeah, and and we used him again for our second boy, Alfred, because he did. I kind of go. Maybe he had given that news to 99 other parents and they had all decided to Mm. terminate. So I don't want to judge him for there are better ways to deliver it. He is quite a um, a blunt person. And some people like that, yeah. And I also just go, you can't dwell on that stuff. Mm. But at 34 weeks, Woody had stopped growing. My placenta had effectively given up. I went in for a scan and um, I was at work actually and I went in for a scan and I was still in my work T-shirt and all that kind of stuff, and, and I never went back. So they said, right, we're going to induce you on Wednesday. This was the Monday. We're going to induce you on Wednesday because he needs to come out. 
And they said, just go to, we had him at Norwest Private, just go to Norwest and um, they'll give you the steroids to open his lungs. Mm. And I went, okay, cool, right. So in I went and they said, oh, we'll just check his heart whilst you're there, whilst you're here. <laughs> Never left. So his heart was was really quite weak. He was in distress. He was in distress. And they just said, if we try to, he will not survive a natural birth, basically. So, and this is where the, uh, the obstetrician came to his own because he just went, He's not going to survive a natural birth. We are going to do a, a C-section and emerge basically now. We're, we're going now. And I'm like, right. And I'm like, Tom. Uh, so I'm in there cancelling meetings because I'm like, well, I've got a meeting with Facebook this afternoon. <laughs> so I'm cancelling meetings. And then, you know, I hadn't done any of the sort of the pack your hospital bag or like none of that stuff. I just said to Tom, I said, go to Kmart and get me some pyjamas, like whatever. And that's how, but but I'm, I'm really pragmatic. So I just go, no, if this is like, I'm in the best hands here and I will just go with the flow and do whatever. So you're carrying a I'm child with trisomy 21 and you've just been told you're about to have a premature yes. delivery. Yes. And you're okay? I'm okay. I think it's just how I react to stuff. I just go, no, okay, this is, this is, this is the situation as it is. And so let's just, Let's see what happens. <laughs> so tell me about his birth. Yeah, so gosh, it was about, I should know the exact time, and I, and I, it's about 7.30 at night, 7.35, I think, when we had him, and I was wheeled in, and, I, and again, I just go, I've never done this before. I don't know what's happening, and I'm just, I'm literally just doing what I'm told because I'm like, well, you're all professionals, and you know what you're doing. Oh, it's the best approach. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I just go, you I tell you what, it makes our job much easier as well. well. Right. Like, that was my view. I'm just going... It's unhelpful right now if I'm just kicking and screaming about something I know nothing about. So just let them do their job and they'll know what to do. And, and yeah. And in what condition was he born? He was two kilos. So he's very small. He was pretty good. Oh, the other thing that we found out with Woody actually was that he has an ASD. So he has a little hole in his heart right in the middle. Plus he's also got funky plumbing. So some of the bits aren't going into the right bits. Mm -hmm. But we found that out whilst I was pregnant, so that we then knew, does he need heart surgery as soon as he's born? Which you'll find out after he's born. Yes. And actually, we found that out before. I mean, it's amazing what they can do in terms of looking at his heart. Mm. And they, they just went, no, we think he should be fine. I mean, they did some tests very quickly after he was born, but they said, doesn't need to go straight into heart surgery. Yeah, so children with Down syndrome, we'll talk about this more in a moment, but since we're touching on it now are more likely to have this particular heart defect called an AVSD. So ASD is an atrial septal defect. So those that's a small hole in between the left and right collecting chambers and the top of the heart. Not as serious as a VSD, which is down the bottom mm. pumping chambers. And then an AVSD is both. It's just a giant hole in the middle of the heart where sort of all the chambers are connecting and therefore you don't get high oxygen blood on one side and low oxygen blood on the other. It all just mixes and that needs to be repaired. And, yes. And yes. as you said, it's, you know, straight after birth, which is pretty intense to be having heart, open heart surgery oh. with a zipper cut yeah. all the way down your chest in a child who's two kilograms yeah. and potentially has other things as well. So let me pivot to the other things because the the wild feature of trisomy 21 is just the constellation of body systems that can have problems. So for those who aren't familiar with what trisomy 21 is, we have, I like to think of it as a, a, a cookbook where mm -hmm. you've got 
instructions on how to bake a cake. And the instructions, our genetics of how to build a human, are stored in chromosomes. And we've got pairs of chromosomes. And every now and then you come up with three instead of two, which is why it's called tri, trisomy. So in the 21st pair of chromosomes, we have three instead of two. And the body, it, it can affect every single body system. What, I mean, and to list them, it's cardiac, as we've talked about. There's the more commonly known appearance changes. Mm. Children have a, a quite a particular look. And then there's ear, nose and throat. There's reduced immune function, thyroid problems, obesity later in life, spinal issues, low tone, sleep apnea. There's a higher incidence of leukemia, gastrointestinal issues. They're more likely to need glasses. The, the list just, I mean, I literally could go on and on and on. Which of those does Woody have or has Woody had? Yeah. It's interesting as you're going through them and I was in my mind then I was like doing a mental checklist. Um, most. Wow. Most. So he has very, very low muscle tone. So he is turning five in February and he, six weeks ago, just started walking, which for us is a momentous thing. At the age of four. The age of four. So his brother popped up, started walking at 13 months and is just running, running everywhere now. This is Alfie. Who this is, is Alfie. How who's, old? He's three. Three. So he's his younger brother. But oh, but he looked, he just loves him and looks after him. It's just amazing. It's like the sibling love. Yeah. But yeah, so Woody just started walking, yeah, six weeks ago. And that varies so much for children with Down syndrome. Enormously. Every single one of these varies. Every single yeah. one, yeah. So... And and I think what's very important and what we've done is we've just thrown out the milestone book mm. and just gone, no. What he's got his own book. He's got his own book and he's got his own book within the Down syndrome space yeah. as well because you can get yourself super stressed. And that that's a beautiful thing you touch on. It's really stressful because there is no two children with Downs who are the same. Yes. So you don't know what to expect. And exactly. if you read something, you're going to read the worst, yes. as is always the case on the internet, and yet that you can't compare, which in some ways is hard because it's hard to lean on that community. Yes, it is. And I've always been someone who takes what they need, but I don't. So I've never done mum's groups or yeah, any of that Yeah, but deciphering stuff. that is challenging, isn't it? It is. It is. It is. It's, I lean in when I need to lean mm. in, I think is probably the best way to describe it. But you can get yourself into a massive tiz over things because you can, you know, we could have got ourselves very stressed about the fact that Woody wasn't walking. What else? What else is okay. Woody so, experiencing? Hugely low immunity. Um, so he's been in hospital multiple times. We nearly lost him last year. His oxygen levels were down to low 60s. From what, pneumonia? Uh, pneumonia, yes. So, and what made that worse was that, so Tom's mum and dad were looking after uh, Woody and Alfie. We'd gone to the UK <laughs> For a very brief amount of time, Woody in that time got RSV, pneumonia, bronchiolitis. And, to, and of course, Tom's dad knows when it's really bad. And, so, and remembering this is in a child who has low muscle tone, which means yes. cough is reduced. Effectiveness of breathing is it's harder. Everything's just one layer harder. Everything's just really... Like Woody, will, Alfie will get sick and he'll be right within a day. Mm. Woody gets sick, it's, it's a it, month yeah. or more. So... So we were in the UK, Tom's dad took him to hospital and then they said, we are not equipped to deal with this. So then ambulanced him over to Westmead Children's Hospital. 
and we woke up in the morning and basically got a barrage of messages and stuff going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. We then rebooked our flights back. We had to get different flights because we just like needed to just get back this, any which way. Uh, anyway, listeners can tell by your accent, this is where your family lives. Yes, correct. My family in the UK. So I didn't actually get to see them because I was, <laughs> I got there. I basically got there and got, came back. Yeah. And we got back and Tom's dad's actually only just said this recently where he just goes, I thought we were going <sighs> to lose him. And I'm really glad he didn't say that whilst we were on our way back. But he was in hospital for quite some time. In ICU. In ICU. So he was not he was not well. And we've had numerous incidents like that. So over, it was on Boxing Day actually, gosh, nearly a year ago now, we ended up in hospital for a week with him with, again, pneumonia. and. So these are seemingly benign common colds that in Woody just go to the extreme. They just go to the extreme and he doesn't have the immunity and the defence to fight them. And is his sleep impaired as well? Um, his, his sleep's actually pretty good. Okay. Um, although we, because we think it's pretty good, but he, we are going to take him on a sleep study. Yeah, because what do you know? Right. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, just because he sleeps through doesn't mean saying he's having quality sleep. So, so that's been very challenging. So we actually made the decision in July because he was very sick again in July. And the problem is when he gets sick, he then can't develop. So we're not mm. progressing. And then he doesn't eat properly. So he just pauses for months. It's just pa- he's, Exactly. That's a, the best way to put it. He's just on a pause. And when you're little, you can't be on a pause for too long. Mm. So in July, we actually made the decision to pull him out of daycare. And we actually pulled them both out because he was not in more than in. How do, how do you juggle careers with, with two kids <laughs> at home? We, so we own our own business, which in some ways helps because we can be very flexible. Is you and Tom working together? Yes. Can we talk about these? Because there's a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which one are you with at the moment? So Snuggle Honey is the business we, we run together. Yes. And that's the one, that's my main my main thing. So I'm CEO, he's COO, and that's what we do. So that's so we run that together. We have a beautiful, fantastic team who... This is no small business, by the way. This is a big team and a, and a, yeah, a really successful business. So it a, requires it, a hell of a lot of your time. Oh, it does. I mean, and the reality is, I think I started Flora and Fauna nine years ago, and I've always worked very hard. So I work seven days a week on that, and I just still do. So I do work every single day, and... We just make it work. So today, as an example, Tom is at home with the kids. I'm here. And we just make it work. But then in December, my parents are coming out for two months. So they give us a bit of a hand. Or Tom's parents come out and they give us a bit of a hand. They're from New Zealand. And they're from New Zealand. So that's a little bit easier. So they, they come. My parents come and they come out for like two or three months. So it's like, whew. <laughs> it's like full on for two or three months. Um, Tom's mum and dad come out, but they'll come out for like a week. But they'll do it really regularly. Yeah. So... We get bits where we get a, a hand and then, yeah, we just juggle. We just, we just manage it. But we, we've just gone, the two, the, the most important thing in our lives is our children and then it's snuggle honey mm. and everything else just, it can wait. And Alfie is well and healthy? Alfie's awesome. Awesome. Alfie is well, he's healthy, he's cheeky and he's the He's so, so kind. So there is, there is research where children that are in a family with a child with a disability are more kind, more caring. No doubt. Yeah, and he absolutely is. Yeah, they've got a level of empathy you cannot teach. Oh, it's phenomenal. The, 
whenever he's doing anything, he goes, Woody needs this, Woody needs this, Woody needs He'll do that for the rest of his life it too. It sounds lovely. Mm. It's really, oh, yeah. I was just watching them yesterday together, just them playing together and it's just beautiful. And yeah, I just go, God, I just want to just bottle that. Tell me about Alfie. When, when in your world with Woody yes. did you think, I want to have another child or was this an accident? Surprise number was two. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise number two. So, so, um, yeah, it was six months after and I was feeling really sick and I was in the office. Six months after Woody's born? Yeah, so he's 15 months apart. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. I just thought, I kind of thought to myself, I'm 40, by this point I was 43 and I was like, it took me so long to have Woody, I'm pretty unlikely to have another. Uh, if, I, if I had a dollar <laughs> for every mum who has said that to me. I am. And then you go, oh. I was, well, it was like, I was in the office and I, I felt, I just felt rancid. I felt <laughs> rubbish. And I said, God, and I felt You put tired. it down to exhaustion. Yeah, You've got yeah. a six-month-old. Stress, <laughs> work's crazy, all that sort of stuff. I just went, oh, I just feel so tired. One of the team, I remember Rihanna on the team, she said to me, she goes, she laughed and she went, oh, you could be pregnant and again. I went, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then on the Friday, I can remember I was at home and then I suddenly felt really sick and then I was sick. And it says very specific. It says very specific taste in your mouth. For me, it was anyway. Metallic. Of, of, yes, metallic yes. morning sickness. And I just went. And I suddenly went to myself. Hello, old friend. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I went. Christ, I'm not. Am I? Am I? Am I? And then I had a, a pregnancy kit just like lying around from leftover from Woody. And I just went. Oh, let's just try and then I got it I went oh my god it's two lines I went and so Tom was at work so I was just at home and I went so and my way of communicating to him was I just sent him a picture (laughs) we're very we're very um very blunt very blunt um he just went he phoned me up literally straight away and he went you're not I went I think I am (laughs) I was like oh my god so and that was that so then I was pregnant with Alfie and that pregnancy was exactly the same in terms that I felt rubbish throughout so I had the same morning sickness problem and we had the harmony test and it was strange because it it came back no all good and I kind of expected that as well so it's sort of really weird in a way you knew what was coming I knew it was coming why do you have it a to be informed I like to be informed because I think for me I, I went okay I had Woody and it was so much better knowing because we could be prepared but certainly with Woody if he if he had a, a heart issue, we then could have dealt with that straight away. So, so for me, I think just because of my age, I just go, I just want to know all the fact, all mm. facts. Because if there is something that we need to look at and deal with, then particularly as, as he's first born, then let's do that. And what emotions swirl around you when you think of Woody and Alfie? Oh, just love. Just love and protection. I just want to protect them. And I just, I think it's just a, it's a love I've, it's such a deep, deep, deep love that I've just never felt. And Tom would say the same. It's just, gosh, it just burns into you. And every parent, I'm sure, says the same thing. I just love them so much. I'm just so proud of them. Proud of them both. Like this morning when I was leaving the house, it's just the little milestones and, Tom wasn't feeding Woody quick enough, right? So Woody just went into the cupboard and got his own bowl and got his own spoon. 
and then just gave them to me and went, ah, because he doesn't speak. He says words, but he doesn't speak properly yet. So he can say park and dada. I can't say mummy, but anyway, we'll deal with that. <laughs> you know, he can say words, but we know exactly what he wants and what he means. And So good communicator. Great communicator, because mm. it doesn't have to always be through words. And we do a bit of sign with him as well. So, so yes, yeah, so he just gave me his bowl. And I went, oh, do you want bar- porridge? And he went, yeah. And then, and then goes to his chair and, and goes and sits in his chair because he's just waiting. <laughs> so love that. And it's just, it's just things like that. And you just feel just proud. I just feel so proud of my boys and yeah, that they're just turning into great little humans, mm. good little humans. I remember when, when I met my wife, I discovered this thing called love. I thought I knew love, yeah. you know, when I yeah. was, had previous relationships, but then there was like, oh, that's Proper love. what love is. <laughs> And then when my first daughter was born, it was like tapping the bottom of the well and realizing that, hold on, this goes deeper. And it went deeper. And then my son's born and it goes deeper still. And it just goes on and on and on. Yeah. It's an amazing feeling. It is, isn't it? It's just beautiful. It is beautiful. Yeah. I just love my boys so much. So at four years of age, almost five, what, yes. t- tell me, what does a usual week look like now for Woody? Is there such thing? <laughs> is there a usual week? For Woody, there is. For us, probably not. <laughs> um, so on Wednesdays, he goes and has uh, physiotherapy and speech therapy. So he this has... is for his low tone and Correct. also for his communication. Correct. And then on Friday, he has occupational therapy. So they're kind of almost the fixed things in the week. And then outside of that... He's with us and his brother. So he could be playing playing at home outside. He could be building blocks. He could be going to Bunnings with Tom or um, the supermarket. So Tom does all the food shopping. So he just takes the boys everywhere and they just go and do stuff with him. So it's very, very normal stuff for mm. most of the time. Having said that, we have some quite intensive weeks where he might he's just come off the back of doing three weeks of intensive therapy where for five days, Monday to Friday in each of those weeks, he does four hours of intensive therapy every day. So he'll do um, physio, speech, occupational therapy and a DMI, deep motion intensive. And that is an ama- that is a very tricky week for us, a tricky three weeks for us because we're juggling both boys and work and everything else. But Woody gets so much out of it and at the end of it, you see a real There's a difference. jump. Yeah. yeah, you see that difference, and that's why we do it. We do it to give him a bit of a boost. Mm. So his weeks can be all over the place, and then next year, because of the, his age, next year he's starting preschool, which will be at a mainstream school. Yes. So, and we've kind of said, Alfie's going to, and we've sort of said, let's see. They're an amazing. They've been so brilliant with us in terms of. We've had multiple meetings with them in terms of how what can we do, which is the best thing for Woody. They also work with a local provider, if you like, called Fit Kids, that works really closely with them in terms of doing therapies, but doing them in the class. Mm. And we're going to get extra help in school. So so far, I mean, we don't know until he goes how he's going to go, but they have been really great at trying to include Woody. And I'm big on inclusion. So I've said, right, well, let's give him a go for a year, and it's only two days a week, so. Let's give this a go for a year. Let's see how this goes. Because in 2025, he has to go to school. He mm. has no choice. And then 
if we and the school feel like he can thrive in that environment, then great, we'll stick with that. If we don't believe he's going to thrive in that environment, then we'll look at a different solution, more of a special school. And I'm, again, very open about what that looks like. In some ways, Woody's deciding. Yes. It's, we're not Well, let's deciding. talk about that. Let's mm. talk about assumptions. Yes. Um, because from the moment you were told Woody had trisomy 21, assumptions were made. You said that the way the information was given to you was that, oh, most people terminate. Yes. So there is a sort of background assumption system that is going on mm. with this particular condition. Do people still make assumptions about your choice? Yes. And assumptions about Woody? Yes. What do you see and how do you handle that? I mostly ignore them, <laughs> but I ignore a lot of what people say. So it's not say. that you don't see it, I don't you choose to ignore it. That I, takes an enormous amount of strength. Yes, yes. And I, and, I, and I just think people will say things and it comes from a place of not knowing. They just don't know. So a, a great example, a great example is, so with our baby business, um, what I found is we have attracted a few mums who also have children with T21, which is quite beautiful. Like I get, because I always go, you've got a great, you've got a safe space here. And there's a beautiful girl wearing one of our dresses the other day. So I put it up on social, on our socials. And I just went, and I just write as I write. And I just go, Naomi rocking her extra chromosome <laughs> and reindeer dress. And and that's what her mum had written. Her mum was totally, Wendy was totally fine with that. Like, she's just so proud that we're showcasing kids with Down syndrome, right? Yeah. And for, for me, it's always been around raising awareness. Anyway, someone came onto that post and said, why do you need to mention the T21? They're just beautiful. You don't need to mention that. You don't need to mention one. And, and so there's an assumption. And I went back and I said, well, actually, I'm a mum with a child with Down syndrome and I'm all about raising awareness and it's very important to raise this awareness so that we can talk about Down syndrome. We talk about T21 because it exists in society. And society is, we still have a long way to go yes. in terms of inclusion. And she went, yes, but I just don't think you need to mention it. And I just went, do you have a child? <laughs> like, what is your exposure? So, so I think there's assumptions. There are definitely assumptions that are made where it comes to things like that, where people assume how we think mm. as parents mm. of children with Down syndrome or how the world would think. And it's, and they're incorrect assumptions. So the person making this comment did not have a child with Down syndrome. Or any exposure to Down syndrome. So, but just making assumptions about how other people will feel. And every parent who I've ever met who has a child with Down syndrome is really proud of that child and likes to shout about it because they want to raise awareness because they want to have an inclusive world for their child. So that's what we do. And I go, crikey, we've got a platform of seven, 800,000 people. We can use that platform to raise awareness. Oh, absolutely. And we should. So I'm very focused on that. But th so th there are things like that that happen. There are people who I get quite a bit when I say, oh, Woody's got Down syndrome, I'm so sorry. I'm like, please don't say you're sorry because he is, and Tom and I have said this a lot, he's the best gift ever. We are so we are so pleased he has Down syndrome. We love the fact he has Down syndrome. He is a gift. He's an absolute gift to us and we are the right people for, we are the right people to have him. Um, that's what my dad says as well, actually. And so what I t try and do, if people say things and I just they're factually incorrect, I actually just say, look, let me just give you the fact. I just want to correct you yeah. 
because you need to be corrected. And if people say things and they're just rotten, like one person did use the R word with me at one point and... Um, Not trying to bully just through lack of knowledge and awareness. Knowledge. Just ignorance. Ignorance. It's just ignorance. And they just think that it's okay to use that word in society. And I'm like, it's no, it's not okay to ever use that word. So just, just stop using it. Mm. So there's this stuff like that, and that I'll call out as well. So, so, so it varies on my response. I either ignore or I call it as I see it. But ultimately, I want to drive change and positive change. And I don't want to shame folks. Do you feel it's your responsibility given you have this megaphone? 100%. Hundred percent. I my personal purpose. So my personal purpose is to leave the world in a better place than when I found it. Mm. That's that's how I view life. So be positive, drive positive change, and and so yeah. I I just don't think I can sit there and live in my own little world. I think I I have a responsibility to to make this bigger than to make this bigger than us. You're succeeding. <laughs> what? would you say has been the most difficult part? You said you're lucky. You said you're glad. What's been yeah. the most difficult part of Woody's condition and your journey with him? His his health is the most... It's when he goes seriously downhill and we go, we just don't know what to do other than being in hospital, which is fine for immediate treatment, but it's not going to help him. As soon as we're in hospital and he's okay, we're going, can we get out? Because mm. we he's going to thrive much better at home. Yes. That's the most tricky thing for us. It's it's managing his health and, you know, and, and I'm thinking, gosh, he's going to go to school next year. And he's been brilliant since July because he's been, quite frankly, a little bit cocooned by uh-huh. us. Yeah. And I'm, I am worried. A little bit of me is... Not super worried. It, I'm just conscious of it, I suppose, of when he goes to school. Is he going to go downhill again? How's he going to? How is he? How is he going to fare in society where he's very small, and the the kids that he'll be with of his age group are probably double his size. He's the size of a two year old, not even. So there are bits of me which get concerned about how that's going to play out and and then there are you know and there are parts of me as well that go look at that beyond that and go how's this going to play out long term because I had him older so I might not be around forever well I won't be around forever and I also don't want to say to Alfie it's your responsibility because Alfie has his own life to lead and it's very important that we're going to instill that on Alfie that no 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 you are you. You are you are not Woody's carer. You have. I want. I want you to live a very big and full life because I have. Tom has. He should. So, and if that means that he goes and lives overseas, and says, I want him to do that. So we just need to make sure that Woody's okay, and that 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 I think about a bit. So, what advice would you give to other parents who have just sat in the room and been given? the NIPT result, going through a similar decision? I would say don't rush a decision because you need time. I found, in my experience, 
I needed time to, I suppose, absorb the information and truly think about what that meant for us. So I think just don't rush, just take your time. You have time. Um, The other really important piece of information from my experience is if you have a partner, make sure you and your partner are aligned. That is so, so key. Um, Tom and I have said multiple times, and we said it the other day, if we had chosen to terminate, we're not sure our relationship would have survived that because we would have ended up blaming and da-da-da-da-da. And so I think it's really, really, really key that you make a decision you are both on the bus with. And it's not just about the decision because you could think about what decision you'd make, but then when you're in that position in your current, I mean, it might be different if you're talking about your fourth child versus your first or where you are in business or where the world is at or where you're living yeah. your financial situation, that your situation changes your decision. 100%. What's really, really important is we, we made the decision that was right for us, but you must make the decision that's right for you, right for you, right for your family, right for your at partner. At that time. At that time. Mm. And it is very, very key that you, you, you be very true to yourself And you make that decision, whatever that decision is, that is right for you. And don't feel pressure from others in any way. And as the expert in the room, what has this experience taught you above all else? Be open to whatever the world decides is coming for you. And and embrace it, actually. You could dwell in the negative or you can look at every challenge as an opportunity. And that's how I choose to look at life. And Woody has changed your life for the better. He's so changed our lives. He's just, he's amazing. Absolutely changed my life. Julie Mathers, CEO of Snuggle Honey Kids and founder of Flora and Fauna and Green and Kind. And of course, super mum to Woody (laughs) and Alfie. Thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And to enjoy more parenting stories like this one, please like, follow, subscribe and share Dr. Golly and the experts wherever you listen. And just before you go, I have a favour to ask. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if you could rate and review the show so that more people can find us and hear these incredible stories just like Julie's. Julie's.